from Vistio. This is recorded for Quality Assurance. A show where we talk to the world's leading CX experts about industry trends, CX technology, and transforming customer support into a streamlined strategic advantage for your business. Welcome to CXQA Live, where we discuss the role that the agent plays in creating successful CX contact center operations. We'd like you to know that we are recording this time for quality assurance. And of course, jokingly, we mean the recorded for quality assurance podcast that we make out of this time every week, Tuesday at noon Eastern. So today on the show, we're discussing how to realize the actual value of your CX agents. And we're joined by Idris Saeed. Idris, we're glad to have you with us. Thank you. Thanks, Rob. Appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. So here on the show every week, we talk about how agents are the single most important asset in CX operations. And we talk about how agents with the right training tools and connection with your company are going to be a revenue growth and protection center for your business and brand. They're going to be the best diagnostic tool you could possibly have for your business. They're going to talk about how customers can be satisfied and engaged and connected through the agent. The agent is going to want to produce more and better work, and they're going to want to stay around and contribute to the long-term success of your company if they have the right training, the right tools, and the right sort of connection with your company. And we call this the agent-centric call center philosophy, right? Now, Idris, I have to ask you because I really love the way that you view contact centers and the agents that are a part of them as value centers, as growth opportunities for companies and not just costs or a necessary evil. So tell me, how did you come to view CX in this way? Well, the agents are the core of the business and also you know, they're the engine of, of the business. How I came about it was when I was um, reviewing, well, I have my own call center, so on and so forth, operating, you know, trying to grow it and so on and so forth and interacting with management. And I had to let, you know, management know that, hey, we are support, including myself. We need to support the agents who are doing the heavy lifting. And that's where I came in. With that now, as a value center as opposed to cost center, it's really directed to the clients. The clients see it as a necessary expense, but they want because they have the flexibility to put that investment on their call centers. And moreover, right now, a lot of companies are B2C, and customer experience is critical for companies. Tremendous amount of competition out there, and so. The sooner you get that consumer feedback, the better your company will be. And so you've got to look at your back office, your contact center as a value center and not just a cost center because the feedback loops come through that. Consumers are calling in to get some clarification, have questions, have issues. And the contact center is fielding all those. And those are valuable insights. It, you couldn't pay for that type of groups that you hire to get feedback. No, I think that's really true. I mean, I agree with everything you said. I've never been in a position where I was managing call center agents, as you described your experience. And you know, you you literally lived kind of 
in that bridge between the agents and the the leadership that makes the decisions on purchasing and and structures and 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 you're kind of in that that management role right that that stands in that gap between those two parts of the business and so that gives you a view of both in Absolutely. a very interesting way right and and so I think that's a viewpoint that often in the larger conversations about CX is kind of not to the forefront unfortunately because you know the agents only see what they see in their daily work life right so they they see the calls they see the technology they see the training they see you know the KPIs. team that they work with and then the metrics the KPIs that are being driven into their heads we got to improve we got to improve we got to improve and and yet the leaders are saying, well, we got to improve these metrics, but they don't really understand what, in many cases, they don't understand what would affect those metrics from the viewpoint of the agent, right? And so, you know, once you start to see it through the lens of what's actually causational to improve those performance metrics, being the agent, being better supported, being better trained, being in in a position where they're actually enjoying working for the company they work for and not feeling threatened or traumatized all the time. You know, hostile work environments tend to impede positive customer and employee experiences, right? So, um, and ironically, when you deal with the open public, especially the open public that are having issues with your company, and that's a large percentage of your work, there are special considerations and, and variables and other things that come into play. But it doesn't seem like a lot of leaders get it. You know, I, I'm relatively new to the space, I'll admit, you know, a l- little over six months, six, seven months here, really just trying to learn and understand. And it seems like the folks that are coming from that perspective that you have, which is the in the middle of the agent and the C-suite and the VP level leaders, that middle person really sees both sides, Right. But the CX leaders tend to say, well, obviously we need to buy a piece of technology or we just need to find new agents because the agents that we got are, are bad in some way. And really, in most cases, it's not that way. So you came to view it from being right in that place the way that you did. But why do you think so many organizations view CX agents so negatively, see them just as that, you know, set of costs that we have to deal with. They see them as uh, a necessary evil rather than an opportunity for growth and and improvement in their business. Why do you think that is? Um, I think one is from, okay, so the CSC suite and VPs are also customers themselves, right? Mm -hmm. And so when they interact with other call centers because they're calling the 800 number, let's say the utility company or whatever it is, is not working, or their telephone company, it's because of the negative experience that they've had that's translating in, Mm. hey, this is just a necessary thing that we need to have. And the calls that we're getting are all just problem calls or, you know, or let's make the product where there's a lot more self-serve than anything else, you know? And the information that's coming from the consumers through their customer service, you know, there are some great feedbacks that they get, obviously, but it could be an ego thing as well, where the leaders are, you know, trying to shun away from bad news, let's say. Sure. Yeah. And I think that's an interesting dynamic too, right? You know, we have pulse surveys a lot of times within call centers where agents are being, you know, asked, how's it going on some level? But a lot of the times those questions are timed and even worded to artificially put forward that everything's great. 
And so the agents often don't even feel like participating in them, or they just know this is something I have to make everything look fine because that's all they want is false good news and everything's great. And we're not giving the agent enough credit to provide feedback. I've seen it happen seldomly, constant checking and saying, okay, what's happening? What, what do you think this is? Or, you know, they're not being empowered to provide feedback. It seems as if, hey, come in, take these calls. This is how it's done. And, and then end your day and you start over the next day, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and so what happens is there's a gap you know, the strategist or the management team is setting up different workflows that they think, but they're not on the front line. Yeah. And they're not watching it and analyzing it and reiterating as it goes along. You know, here's a strategy, do it this way. And when they get too much of that, you know, the culture within the company is stagnated and they just, they're just going through the motion. And I think it's, it's connected also to the fact that the expectation, unfortunately, in many CX organizations is that agents aren't going to stick around. And so, you know, there's no career development mindset. There's no uh, long-term value placed on the role that the agent plays in the organization. It's just how long can we get this performance level that we want out of this agent before they quit? And it's very reductionist, right? It's in the end, it becomes very dehumanizing because attached to that lack of you know, longevity for a position in CX agent work is a sense that that agent is just a, a commodity, that there's a very low ceiling as to the long-term value that that agent is expected to provide to the company. And then the other side of that coin is as a result, the leaders are not really looking at the agent as that source of long-term feedback to improve what's happening in the organization as a whole, right? And everybody loses in that scenario. The agent obviously is losing because the agent is like, I can't wait to get out of this job, which then proves that, you know, it's sort of like a self-fulfilling prophecy. They they're treated like they're going to be short-term. So of course they are short-term because they're, they're not valued and they can't wait to get out of there. And then the, then, you know, the, the leaders are sitting there saying, yeah, I mean, there's no reason for us to try to dig deeper, to try to develop these people as long-term assets, long-term, you know, team members, you know, people that were going to, you know, fight the war together. There's none of that because they're seeing that turnover. And it's gotten so bad in the last two years that the costs associated with hiring and training are absolutely unacceptable on the bottom line for most CX organizations, which I think is why we now have an opportunity to have different conversations than we were having two years ago because the business outcomes are so bad with this mentality, with the turnover and, and the costs associated with it, um, just the training costs alone, you know, in CX are, you know, 15, 20% higher than what they were before the pandemic. And that's of course connected to the fact that it's much easier to get a remote CX agent job without having to uproot your family and move. So you can literally just switch jobs and you know, a lot of folks are switching jobs regularly because the opportunity is there. So the turnover is so high. So I'm excited about what this creates for the industry as a whole as an opportunity to have these conversations. And and you're you're already contributing to them. Honestly, you know, the reason that I wanted to have you on the show is because your LinkedIn posts have caught my attention. Um, you know, you're you you tend to kind of say state an idea and then you know, put four or five bullet points behind that idea to back 
that idea that are that are you know kind of thorough and and I like your approach and so I actually wanted to read a couple of your LinkedIn posts and let you unpack the idea in it uh, with some depth. So the first one I wanted to read and let you just kind of wind up and go here. Customer service tops the in-demand skills list. Treat your customer service agents better or they'll leave. Unpack that for me. Yeah. Um, LinkedIn did a, a, a wonderful uh, research in comparing it to 2015, um, the job post and the demand that's there and some of the soft skills and, and hard skills that was necessary. And in that, number one topped was customer service. That was tremendous demand. And we see it again because a lot of companies are B2C and they're also online. And so their whole, um, they're, you know, Companies are just have are exposed or transparent, and so they're realizing that they need customer support. Yeah, and it's just not it's not for everyone, and it's not because customer support is they're problem solvers. It's, it's decoding what the consumer is saying and saying, "Oh, okay, so this is what you mean." It could be as simple as, "Oh, this is not working," but the customer support agent or service agent is to decode that to get them to a resolution. And uh, so that, that's why it's, it's a critical, critical role. I mean, you know, several books, how to win friends and influence others and so on and so forth. These are the soft skills and technology just cannot replace, replace that. Transactional, yes, I'm checking my back balance, this and that, fine. But anything, anything more complex than transactional, it's, it, it needs that human element. It needs the human touch and there's a high turnover because it's not prioritized. It's not invested. Companies are not, they don't seldomly, let me phrase that, seldomly have a roadmap when a, a new agent comes on to the organization to say, you know, here's what you're hired for. But these are all these other positions that are available in the contact center. And you qualify, you know, in three months, you can get trained on this, trained on that. And just really upscale, uproot. And it's also important for the team lead or managers to look into their teammates and say, wow, this person has capability. Let's get them to where they need to be instead of just leaving them there because they need to do their 90-day probation or you mm-hmm. know, just the rudimentary things. I mean, HR is there as well, but HR is not interacting with them constantly. Yeah. You know, so we need those customer service skills customer support teams. And it's been interesting too, as the pandemic really kicked into gear globally, mental health became an enormous variable for the general public. Correct. You know, the counselors and psychiatrists across the world were working overtime and the, all the data indicates that the overall mental health of the global population went into a distinct decline, you know, once the pandemic really began. And that makes sense, right? Where you have isolation and you have, you have um, a lot of people that uh, were losing people to the pandemic, to the virus itself and, and work was impacted. Economics were impacted. Personal finance was impacted. All these things, massive changes, most of them really for the negative as far as our daily lives across the world. And we went from seeing people at work 
personally to seeing people on screens, you know, and there's all these changes that occur. And so that impacts the, the general public customers that customer service agents are dealing with, right? There are new problems that didn't exist that a lot of companies are dealing with with their customers because of all the shifts going on. And then on top of that, the, the, the mental health of the customer service agents themselves is impacted. And so uh, all of these skills, these hard skills and soft skills become even more in demand as the situations themselves become more critical and as the, the labor pool, if you will, of people with those skills is reduced because you have people that are just saying, I'd rather not work at all than go through the trauma of dealing with the general public that are very unhappy with our company, exactly. right? Um, and so people making those choices changed, in my view, really the supply and demand dynamic within you know any job that has customer service at the forefront. Absolutely, have absolutely. Um, also, our attention span has gotten shorter. We point and click and this, and if it's not like that, we want a call. We want the call. We want support right away. And um, so the demand of that has 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 increased. Where you would physically maybe go to an office or ask a coworker or whatever it is about a situation. Right. Now, when COVID came. You couldn't even go to the gyms. You couldn't go to the parks. You can all, you know, you have to be careful at supermarkets. It just, we just got, we became so isolated and it just, it just increased that, you know, being able to just go outside and get sun, vitamin D, just breathing air, just, it, uh, it really makes a difference in your mood for the day. And, you know, short attention span, plus you agitated a lot more and things of that nature. So it definitely built up so that customer service became a need. And now again, customer service agents and rep, reps um, are problem solvers. Yeah. You know, and they're getting those calls. So it's, it's not, you get that feeling of satisfaction once you've assisted someone, right? But mm -hmm. when they initially call, you're the front line and you're getting the brunt of it. Certain industries, you know, a lot more mentally draining, that is. Yeah. Because again, every day you're solving, you're just solving problems. Okay. And you're, you're living right there at that point of tension, right? Um, exactly. Exactly. Well, I want, I want to read another one that you posted that I was encouraged by, but I think really has a different kind of challenge to it. It's a little deeper than even just, you know, treat your customer service agents better or they'll leave, which is a really strong statement. So this one you said, Call center agents need better pay, job stability, good supervisors to be valued for their work, and they need better working hours. And then you said, if you give them this, you can watch them reach their potential. And then you said, I understand we live in a highly competitive world, but the call center has to be a safe environment for its agents. What did I miss? So unpack that one for us. There's a lot there. Yeah. yeah. Again, with the better pay, because it's budgeted. And it's something internal. They just want to keep that headline. They don't want it to run out and so on and so forth. So it's the first thing that a company will cut, uh, is able to control their cost, you know? And so, you know, consequently, especially right now with inflation and things of that nature, you know, better pay. You have to really keep up with that, right? Or what you're going to do is you're going to increase your turnovers, your you know, your attrition is going to be really high because the moment they get an opportunity that, so 
your center would just be a stepping stone to just fill in the gap as they're looking elsewhere for a better compensation plan, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that another biggest thing that happened too was when there was low unemployment rate, companies had to, when there's low unemployment rate, basically means everyone is employed. So you had to really be competitive in order to get anyone to come over. Right. And so I'll give you an example. An, an agent who was working in, a, in the billing department for a durable medical equipment company, let's just throw out numbers, making $12, $14 an hour. And then an HVAC company hires her for $20 an hour. And so she didn't have to deal with insurance and complaints and this and that. HVAC, straight set appointments, so on and so forth. So they had a better, of course, their margins is different and so on and so forth, but they're shifting, they get pulled. So even the low unemployment rate while that was happening caused that inflation to happen as well. So better pay is just what it is. It's just to keep up with current economic climate. Job stability, because again, they want to see that they can grow or that they've been given the benefits and the support and training, and they got to see that the company is growing and that they're part of this. Everybody wants to be part of a winning team. And if they see that it's just a, a ceiling, they're looking elsewhere for opportunities. Good supervisors, really, they are the leaders of the agents. Mm-hmm. And not only that, but just even the C-suite as, as supervisors, they have to be able to lead. And they have to be inspiring and so on and so forth to make sure that the agent understands why they're there, keep reminding them, and that they give feedback to management. Um, hey, this plan that you had, it's negatively affecting. This KPI is causing another behavior to happen, or this incentive is misaligned, and so you're going to get X, Y, and Z, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so that good supervisor is critical because they're in touch, one-on-one in touch with the frontline staff and uh, just valued for their work, really showing them the kudos and and really the success stories and their contribution needs to be, they need to know, not only in their paycheck, because it's just, it's just so impersonal. Yes, you like to see, but people want to be recognized. Mm -hmm. And if you can, for example, my agents, when a, a client says, oh, you know, we got this type of feedback. This was done so well. I'm telling the client that it was this agent, particularly, and the, and the client is recognizing them. And they just, they really, it's not my idea. It was that agent who was, yeah, creative and just critical thinking that made that happen. It's not me. So I mean, you got to make sure that they're getting those feedbacks. Mm-hmm. Um, better working hours, specifically, again, the world is global and so on and so forth. You know, Childcare is an issue, right? Family obligations that they have. And so if you can have a flexible working hours, it can improve an agent's experience. Um, they might be going to school as well, right? Um, so if you're too rigid with it, you're not cultivating that. And it seems like more and more companies are being forced to acknowledge that work should fit into an employee's life not the other way around, you know, and for so long, there's been no leverage from the employee side to say, this isn't working for me. 
right? Or, or whatever. You just had to suck it up and make it happen. And your personal life can fall apart and the company doesn't really care. But when you are in a position where people can actually say, well, no, this isn't okay, you know, that starts to shift. And really that goes through all of the themes that you hit in that post where instead of agents having to just take whatever is available on the market and just be thankful that there's a job, there are so many jobs on the market compared to the number of agents that are available for those jobs that agents really can choose the situation that is the best fit for them. And so the leverage really has shifted. So I would just say, you know, I look at what you said in that post and really all your content is kind of focused on this dynamic of, you know, what does it really take to improve this agent versus leadership dynamic where there's this huge gap and disconnect currently. And I think that's why I really appreciate a lot of your content, man. Um, because that is, that is to me the biggest glaring, uh-oh, what are we going to do about this in CX is that huge gap in understanding between, you know, C-suite and executives versus the agents. You know, I think that there are a lot more topics that are along these lines that we'd love to have you back on again and continue to discuss these, these ideas. And obviously, uh, we're going to keep watching what you're sharing. And, and we're glad that you're a part of this bigger conversation that is happening about the role of the agent in the CX world. And I do want to thank you again for being on the show with us. And I hope everybody has a wonderful Tuesday. Thank you very much, Rob. To listen to a recording of this and other episodes, visit vistio.io forward slash podcasts. And to join our show live each week, go to vistio.io forward slash CX live.